Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. I'm Omni. And I'm Saudi. And today is our part two of our true crime crossover, all about the Murdoch murders. But today we are honoring Gloria Satterfield. Before we get started, I just want to do a quick disclaimer. Everything said on this podcast is based on our personal opinions and theories based off of everything that we have seen that has already been published or read or listened to. So moving forward, for all of our true crime crossover episodes, we go over what happened in the case, what our theories are, and then at the end, we do a channeling and Saudi channels the spirit of the person that crossed over to get their side of it. So hopefully at the end of this, after going through Gloria Satterfield's case, we'll be able to talk to her and see what happened from her perspective or what messages she has for us. Just to do a quick preview of who the Murdoch family is so you know who we're talking about as we go through this story. The Murdochs were a prominent family in South Carolina. Alec Murdoch's family, including his great-grandfather down to his father, served as a solicitor on the 14th Judicial Circuit from 1920 to 2006. It's very connected to law enforcement. It's considered one of the most powerful positions in South Carolina's justice system. Alec Murdoch was a part of his law firm that his family founded, and he was a part of it as a lawyer. And they specialize in personal injuries. So there's Alec Murdoch and then Alec's wife, which was Maggie Murdoch, And then they had two sons named Buster and Paul Murdoch. And then Alec's brother, Randy Murdoch. Gloria Satterfield worked for the Murdoch family. One of her roles was a housekeeper. And a lot of the news articles basically gives her that title. But that's almost insulting for how much Mm -hmm. she did. She worked for them for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And even though she had two sons of her own, she also considered Paul and Buster who's Maggie and Alex's sons, her own children as well. Because she was there, she took care of them. She went on family trips with them and vacationed with them and everything. So she was very much a part of the family. And even in her obituary, it mentioned all of her family that she left behind and the Murdochs that she considered family yeah was in her obituary so that's how close knit she felt to the family yeah and according to Paul's girlfriend at the time and friends he looked at Gloria as a mother figure Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just how she felt about the family it's how at least Paul thought of her in return Mm -hmm. yeah and I heard that he didn't carry pictures of anybody else in his wallet but he had a picture of Gloria and he carried that around in his wallet oh I forgot about that and I mean if you think about it you're from a very prestigious family you know when you're in a family like that the mom has her role and she's out doing rich girl shit yeah You know, the mom is in a different mentality level Yeah, when you come from that much money. And she wasn't really a hands-on. From what I've heard about Maggie, she wasn't very cuddly and loving in certain ways yeah. when it came to the boys. So she left a lot of that up to Gloria. Yeah. Kind of be the nanny slash mom. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was like that with Buster or not, but I would... I would imagine so. I would so. imagine so. But from what everybody says, she was really close with Paul. Yeah. So that just kind of gives everybody an overview of what the relationship 
was between Gloria and the Murdochs. Yeah. She wasn't just a housekeeper. Mm -hmm. She was a part of the family. Yeah. And I remember hearing an interview that one of the attorneys did. I can't remember who he is off the top of my head, but he said that Gloria had even come and helped his wife when she had her baby years ago. Yeah. So not only did she take care of the Murdochs, she was also ready and available to go help any of their friends or their family members with whatever they needed. And she did a lot of work with Alex's mom and dad as well. There's a lot of trust built into that. Yeah, so she wasn't just a housekeeper. She was a nanny. She was, you know, she felt very much a part of the family. A nana. Yeah, big time. So now we can get to... What happened? What happened to Gloria. Maggie and Paul were asleep in the house. And supposedly Maggie heard the dogs barking in an unusual manner. So she jumped up to go see what the dogs were barking at. And that's when she saw Gloria. There was a 911 call February 2nd, 2018 at 9.24 a.m. by Maggie Murdoch that her housekeeper had fallen up eight steps and was bleeding and mumbling. She said it was at their Moselle property in Hampton County, which is important. In the 911 call, Maggie seems to be (laughs) non-emotional and irritable, getting snappy at the dispatcher when she asked how old Gloria is. Maggie's like, I don't know. When the dispatcher asked, can you control the bleeding? You can hear in the background say, I didn't even try, which is like crazy to me because Mm -hmm. if somebody you love, if a Nana is is laying there bleeding, wouldn't the first thing you do is to try to control it? Right. So what I heard on the 911 call was Maggie said she fell going up the steps. Yeah. And then she said that she wasn't conscious and her eyes were not open. Right. When the dispatcher asked... And then she said that she was mumbling a little bit. And she said she fell up eight steps. We said this in the last episode that a red flag for somebody lying to Mm -hmm. investigators is them remembering very specific facts about things that aren't important. And eight step. Who says that? I would say tripped up the steps in the front yard. Eight steps. That's very specific. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Maggie's on the phone with 911 and she's trying to give the information that she can give. You hear her say, oh my God, she just fell back down. And she's like, can I get off the phone so I can go down there and find out? And the 911 operator was like, well, are you on a cell phone? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, take the phone down there with you so I can ask her questions. Maggie was being rude. Yeah, she was being a little bit rude. She didn't really sound like she was very empathetic of the situation. Like you said, the 911 operator asked if she had gone down there to help her. And she said no. If that was a family member and somebody that you love, God forbid, somebody's laying at the bottom of the stairs. Right. Wouldn't that be the first thing that most people would do was rush down there to them? Yeah. And try to help them. So that kind of caught me as a red flag Mm -hmm. right off the bat that she was standing at the top of the stairs just talking to 911 pretty calmly. Yeah. And then she hands the phone off to Paul which is her son. Right. And then Paul gets on the phone. He's like, ma'am, she's bleeding from her left ear and the side of her head. And then he said, I was holding her up. And she said, turn her loose. And she fell back down. Yeah. Now there's a little bit of uh, red flags there with me as well, because Maggie was saying that she was unresponsive. Her eyes were closed and she was mumbling a little bit. Yeah. And then Paul goes down there and he's trying to lift her up. From an unconscious mumbling state. What stands out to me is who said turn her loose? Did Maggie say turn her loose and he let go and she fell again? Right. Or did Gloria say let me loose? I would lean more towards Maggie saying let her loose because... 
Gloria obviously wasn't able to form a sentence. Mm -hmm. So for her to be able to say, turn me loose, doesn't make any sense if she was mumbling and not making any sense. Because she had two head fractures. Right. And 12 broken ribs. So I'm thinking to myself. That's that's a pretty, pretty crazy fall from eight steps, Maggie. Exactly. To break 12 ribs and have fractures in two different parts. Yeah, the front and the back, I believe. Because I remember one of the the police officers in an interview said that she had to have flipped because she hit both the front and the back. And I'm like, "Mm." The original story was that she was going up the stairs and the dogs were out. There was like three or four dogs just kind of running loose on the property. And they knocked her over. And that's how she got hurt. And I'm thinking to myself, even if a dog knocked me over and I flipped on eight steps, it's really hard for me to imagine somebody breaking 12 ribs in that process. Also, she had been over there a million times. She was a part of the family. She went over there every day. And one of the dogs had just gotten back from obedience training, was like sent away to this prestige dog school yeah and the other dogs were very friendly and they knew her yeah so for them just one day to surround her (laughs) and knock her down and do all that damage just seems a little bit far-fetched and which we found out later that that story wasn't true yeah alec admitted to making that part of it up yeah and then in the interview paul's interview he said that his dad was there so it was paul and alec as soon as they sat her up she started throwing up and then Alex said in his interview that when he pulled up, Gloria was already sitting up on the brick landing. Yeah, that's right. So in my mind, I'm thinking, was he already there? Right. You know, because that doesn't really make sense to me why their stories would be so different. However, when you look at where he was coming from, Alec was, it was like 20 minutes away, right? Yeah. So on Google Maps, it shows from where Alec was supposed to be at his job was about a 15, 20 minute drive. Mm -hmm. And then when we looked on the maps from the place where the paramedics left from, it's about a 15 minute drive as well. But the paramedics probably had their lights on and they were like really trying to get to the scene. And they made it there in about 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. And somehow Alec made it there before the paramedics did. Supposedly. So either Maggie called Alec Mm -hmm. before she called 911 and gave him time to get there, or he was already there. Yeah. And the third thing is that when the interviews were going on, Alec, Paul, and Maggie all had very different views of the story. So things just didn't line up. Well, to me, I feel like the reason why Maggie and Paul were irritated on the phone call was because they were tripping themselves up Mm -hmm. or they were worried about they were tripping themselves up. Because Mm -hmm. I noticed when I listened to the phone call... That Paul wasn't making sense where he goes, she said, turn her loose. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. He just said she wasn't talking. He was, he told her, ma'am, she's not talking. She's mumbling a little bit. I think they both were snappy and irritable. It's kind of weird that both of them reacted that way, especially Paul. This is his mother, Nana figure. Mm-hmm. Like this is someone who, raised, who him. raised him. Right. So the fact that he seems irritated by the dispatcher doesn't really line up. In the 911 call, Maggie was saying that she was mumbling a little bit. She was pretty much unconscious. Mm -hmm. And then when they had her interview later, she said that she was able to say her name, but she thought the president was Bill Clinton. So completely different. Completely different. And then Paul says he remembered that his dad, Alec, 
was asking her what happened and she said something about the dogs. So okay. he was very vague with that. Yeah. And he pretty much put it all on his dad. Once she got to the hospital, they said that she didn't really talk very much at all. Mm-hmm. She stayed alive for another three weeks but she wasn't able to really communicate anything that happened she was able to say i love you a few times but that was about it so it's really surprising to me that on the scene she would be able to say the dogs tripped me and then alec described her as semi-conscious and sitting not laying down oh well yeah and during the 911 calls you don't hear alec in the background at all dogs either right but there was a third person you could, you could hear some mumbling in the background, yeah. but it's really hard to make out who that was. And there was a groundsman named Ronnie Freeman, and he was working on the property during that time. Yeah. And he said that he saw Gloria walk up like she always does. She had a McDonald's cup in one hand and she had a purse in the other one. That was like around 830 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that part doesn't really make sense to me either because the 911 call came in at 924. Yeah. So if Gloria was walking up... An hour beforehand? An hour before the 911 call. Mm -hmm. What happened in that hour? Exactly. That the groundsman said that he saw her come in like she usually does, 830 in the morning. Right. And that's weird if she's walking up the steps to go in like an hour Mm-hmm. She's walking back down. Like... I'd like to see if there was any pictures on the scene. Did her cup go flying? Yeah. Was her purse out there? Because it makes me feel like she might have gone into the house. But that's the other thing. If Maggie didn't see her fall, then why did she say on the 911 call that she fell up the eight steps? Mm-hmm. How do you know she fell up the eight steps? It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing to say, right? Right. Later on, actually, that groundskeeper, Ronnie Freeman, was in an interview to do with Stephen Smith's murder, mm-hmm. who we talked about in our last episode. And he ended up talking about Gloria Satterfield and how Alec wasn't there mm-hmm. when the investigators like, well, they said that, you know, Alec was there. And he's like, nope, that's a lie. He was not there. And he goes, well, Maggie and Paul said that he was. And the groundskeeper says, Maggie and Paul do what they're told. And I think that's very telling. Yeah. When he was talking, what exactly did he say in the interview? He said, when EMTs arrived and it's you, Paul and Maggie, question mark, Peterson asked Freeman. Investigative reporter says, Alec talked to Gloria that she said that the dog tripped her. That's not true. Freeman said he wasn't there. So you're saying that Alec is still not there when the EMT leaves? Peterson asked. Correct. Freeman responded, if what Freeman says is true, both Maggie and Paul Murdoch lied to investigators about Alec being present at the scene. Maggie and Paul did what Alec told them to do. A source close to the family told them. Mm-hmm. That's how all this works, right. which is so telling. And then Maggie calls me within 15 minutes later. I asked her what the hell had happened. And she was hysterical. Ronnie, you got to get up here. Gloria fell. There's blood everywhere. Upon arriving on the scene, Freeman observed Satterfield with her feet laying on the stairs and her head on the brick landing. Her feet were about about her head, he told Peterson. We needed to at least get her body horizontal. So Paul, you know, grabs her legs. I grab both of her shoulders to get her horizontal. And it's just curious because the timelines don't seem to be matching up at all. It seems like she called the groundsman before she called 911. Yeah, and it's weird because he says Paul and Maggie do what they're told. That's how this works. But part of me is like, okay, this is Paul's Nana. Why would he lie and put her in a bad position? However, this was in the Netflix series that Paul had a girlfriend at the time. And at the funeral, Alec had came up to Paul 
in front of his girlfriend and said, I'm going to essentially sue myself because he has insurance and because the dogs were at fault and they were on his property, his insurance would be able to give Gloria Satterfield a settlement to her family for what had gone on. And Paul's girlfriend said that this gave him a lot of peace because he was very torn up when she passed away because she'd gone to the hospital for three weeks and then passed on. So he's very torn up about it, very upset and distraught. And this gave him a sense of peace. And she thought that was really commendable of Alec to do with the medical bills and whatnot. And that kind of strikes me as odd as well, because they live together. Alec lives in the home with Paul. Why wouldn't that be something that was discussed within the home? Why would he wait until the funeral to say it in front of Paul's girlfriend? That is, I didn't think that about that. That just seems orchestrated to me as yeah, well. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I didn't even think about that. But I thought, okay, so if Paul's going to lie, why would Paul lie? This is his Nana, whatever. But if Alec had said, hey, if the dogs were involved, we can get her family a settlement. And this was hatched right away. Mm-hmm. Then Paul, I'm sure he would be like, yeah, I'll lie so her family can get some money. Yeah, exactly. And- it's really peculiar as mm-hmm. well that a month previous to Gloria's trip and fall, Alec had taken out a $400 million insurance policy for accidental injuries on his property. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. You he didn't had- know that? I didn't know he had done that a month before. Oh, it was a month previous. Wow. Yeah, but in order for him to get that money, it needed to look like it was his fault that there was an accident on the property. So if she would just accidentally fallen, he wouldn't have got the money. But since the dogs, quote unquote, tripped her and made her fall, that is an insurance payout. And it was $4 million. The other part, I have a couple notes on the accident and how peculiar the behavior was from Paul and Maggie, which... I mean, granted, everybody grieves differently and everybody responds differently in different situations. But given the facts, you can speculate and dissect how they're acting, I feel. I kind of took note that neither one of them, when talking to the 911 dispatcher, neither one of them said, how can we help her? Neither one of them said, what can we do to help her? I mean, yeah, that would be probably one of the first things that I asked yeah. the 911 operator. I was like, what can I do? Like, how can I help? Yeah. What do I do until the ambulance gets here? Like, yeah. Instead, they seemed irritated. They were trying to hang up the phone Mm -hmm. with her. So Colleton County's first responder report says that Gloria was an elderly woman that fell walking up eight brick steps at 941 arrival. And then the other part was one of the police officers um, said in an interview, well, she had to have flipped because she hit the front and the back of her head, which we kind of talked about her injuries. But there's eight steps. How do you flip on eight steps? How much momentum does that take for you to have a fracture in the front and the back of your skull and 12 broken ribs? Mm -hmm. Again, so Maggie remembered that there were eight steps there. But when the responder asked how old Gloria was, she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, bitch, this woman's raised both of your boys for over 20 years. What Mm -hmm. do you mean you don't know how old she is? Right. So Gloria ended up going to the hospital and she ended up getting bounced around to a second hospital too, which was kind of weird because she was in a fragile state. However, on February 2nd, she got to the hospital. Gloria Satterfield's son, Tony, had made a Facebook post that his mom had fallen and that she had hematoma on her head and that she had cracked ribs that she needed surgery on. But she was conscious enough to give the doctor her social security number. And I'm like, if you're conscious enough to give them a social security number, why don't you tell what happened? 
Exactly. And never yeah. once do they have on record that she said the dogs tripped her either. Could have been an automatic response too, because they were talking about she didn't know who the president was, but she was able to give her name. So, that's from Maggie. I don't fucking believe a word she yeah, says. That's true. I just thought that was weird mm-hmm. that she could give her social security number, but she was mumbling and unconscious and all this. February 7th, her son said that she was knocked out cold and couldn't wake up because she had stage three kidney disease, which wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. So when she had to go in for surgeries and stuff, that was the complication that led to her death. So when she couldn't talk after that, but the first day she came in when she was mumbling and could hardly talk and all that, she gave her social security number. Hmm. So I don't know. I find that weird. So Paul's girlfriend also said she claimed that Paul's dad had a severe opiate addiction and that she had seen him where Paul had taken care of his dad while he was detoxing and that it was a horrible sight. So I believe he was taking pills. But Paul's girlfriend said that Gloria had found bags of pills taped under the bed and Paul had told her this and that she was too scared to go to Maggie about it Mm -hmm. in fear of losing her job or something more. And so she went to Paul about it. And that's why Paul was helping him detox and not Maggie or anybody else. Why is she scared of Maggie? I mean, there's rumors yeah, that Maggie might not have been too nice to her. Yeah. Or kind of just looked at her as paid help. Yeah. She's not part of the family. She's not loved. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just there to get whatever she can out of her for the $10 an hour or whatever that she paid her. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's the exact amount, but that was what I read in an article that she was only paid $10 an hour. The woman who's taking care of your kids for you. That's gross. Right. So the paperwork was all kinds of mess up for this too it's kind of mind-blowing so gloria's paperwork stated that the accident took place at a different murdoch house which was weird because you can hear in the 911 call that maggie says moselle it is their moselle property Mm -hmm. she says the address but the paperwork said it was at a different murdoch property which was in a different county so it caused confusion with the coroners and stuff so on the death certificate it said that the cause of death was natural which was not the case either which way, whether she tripped on the stairs or whether the dogs tripped her, it should have said on her death certificate that it was accidental. And it didn't. It said natural. The Hampton County coroner said that the death was not reported to the other coroner, nor did the officials conduct an autopsy, which is fucking crazy. Wasn't there two death certificates then? Yeah, that was the first death certificate. Well, then how did he get the $4 million if the death certificate said natural causes? It had to be accidental injury. Exactly. And even though he was a lawyer, because he was basically the person that was being sued, he's not allowed... Yeah, it was unethical for him to sue himself. Yeah. So he got Corey Fleming. Which was his buddy. They went on boating trips together and... Oh yeah, they were family. Who worked for a different law firm and was a lawyer. And Alex had him take on the case but then Alec wrote a demand letter to his insurance company saying he was at fault which you don't ever do that so usually when you do a claim to your insurance company they just kind of take over and handle everything but because Alec wrote a letter saying that he was at fault admitting to it they put them in a corner because if there was a lawsuit they would lose Mm -hmm. because Alec's like no it was my fault yeah exactly he had gone to the kids as well Gloria's sons and said look we're going to take care of this the initial deal that he said was that each one of the boys were going to get $100,000 and he was going to take care of the medical bills. He said, technically, I have to sue myself. 
So this is going to be your attorney, Corey Fleming. And he said, you can't say anything about this to anybody because it's not going to look good that I'm organizing this. Yeah, he was like, well, you know, we got to keep this on the down low, but I'm going to make sure you boys are taken care of. Yeah. He gave them a sense of security. I'm family. I'm an attorney. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys are family. Your mom was family. I'm going to take care of you. We we're very innocent and naive when it came to that. And yeah. they believed him and their mom believed in him. Yeah. So they grew up with that sense of this is my mom's boss, but they're also family. Yeah. They trusted Corey by extension because Alex like this is my close friend. He's going to take care of you. Right. But what actually ended up happening was close to a year after Gloria passed, Corey tells Tony, which is Gloria's son, that he shouldn't be the PR of the estate because of a lot of business holdups. So he said a family friend of his should be named because he works for the banks and it would go along quicker. So he agreed and he signed over. And this friend that worked for the bank was Chad Wessendorf. And then when he signed it over to Chad Wessendorf, Corey Fleming didn't have to communicate with the boys and he didn't have to let them know what was going on legally. So after that happened, the very next day, they filed a petition for $505,000. And the breakdown on this is crazy. So Perry Buckner was the judge that signed off on this, which he later recused himself from a case involving the Murdochs because of his close ties with them. Yeah, there's like a, a little thing that goes on down there where they're like uh, Murdoch judges. Yep. That was basically known that these judges are in the pocket <laughs> of the Murdochs. Yep. In March, Corey and Chad met with a mediator and the settlement was $4,305,000 because the threat of an actual lawsuit. So it went from, it was supposed to be like a $500,000 lawsuit. It went from that to over $4 million because of the threat of an actual lawsuit. So the check was made to Chad, the banker. Alec requested that they remove his name from the court documents. And the documents then had no court term number, no live case number. And it got signed off, signed by Chad but not filed with the courts. So they re-mocked up all this paperwork. They just fucked those little oh kids. Oh my God. So they bad. And it's so crazy. The judge can't hear a settlement proposal without those. Right. They have to have that. It's like a reference number. So basically it was just all done behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's procedure. That's every case. On the disbursement page signed by Chad Wessendorf for $1.45 million is going out to attorney fees, which is crazy high because there was no trial and they barely spent time on this. So that was the money in his pocket for being a part of this. Yep. Okay. Well, not only that, $105,000 of prosecution expenses when there was no trial and no prosecution. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't even exist. Mm -hmm. And then also like everything was ending in zero, zero. Anything ending in zero. Zero, zero is a red flag for anybody that works in the financial industry because it really shows that you're not on top of your books. It should be like 35 cents or 25 because you're accounting for everything. When they're even numbers like that, that's not how money works. And even when I'm like claiming tips, I was told that because of somebody who was audited. That was like, if you don't claim your change, it's a red flag. Don't claim an even but amount of money. Be, do you think it might be different when you're de dealing with millions? No, because that was something brought up in the trial with mm -hmm. Alec. Okay. Their books were ridiculous. Okay. Anybody that glanced at them and that knew anything in the court system, would have glanced at those numbers and been like, oh, that's fraudulent. Okay. And nobody did. They all turned a blind eye. So $2.7 million went to the client. The reason why it wasn't the original amount promised is because there's two different claims. So one was a wrongful death 
which was supposed to be the amount to the boys in the beginning. But then there was a survival claim on top of that because Gloria had lived for three weeks and she had medical bills and stuff. And the medical bills equaled up to 675000 Now, the settlement was crafted so that only 50000 of that went to her medical bills, which is Medicaid fraud. You can't do that. You can't craft a settlement that doesn't cover the fees first and then pay out the recipients after. But given all of this, the judge still signed off on it. And so in the end, Alec ended up with... Well, the check was written out to Corey and Alec told Corey they'd buy an annuity. Now, an annuity is when a lawyer gets a big lump sum of money in a settlement. Usually it's for like underage kids and then they put it into a business. So if they get two million and they put it into a business, this business is supposed to pay back six million at the end of 15 years. It's supposed to make it grow so they get more money and that they would pay out over a period of 15 years. And they were supposed to make that annuity to forge consultants in Atlanta. And that was all from Alec talking to Corey. Like, we're going to do this annuity. Mm-hmm. Corey never got documents from them. And they were actually interviewed, too. But Alec told Corey to take his fees out of that settlement, write a check for the balance to that company, and gave him a P.O. box in the Hamptons to send it to. If they're out of Atlanta, why are you sending that check to where you oh, live? Oh, my God. That doesn't make any no. sense at all. Right? Well, I mean, Alec was accused of, like, money laundering and all different kinds. <laughs> Kinds of stuff too. Yeah. So this does not surprise me. Right. It doesn't it's not surprise like he's an me. upstanding citizen. Like right. he knows how to. But also, Corey, I don't care if this is your friend. You're a lawyer mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. He tries to play like he got. Well, we never know. They could have been in on it from the beginning before her actual death. They could have murdered mm-hmm. Gloria. Yeah. And had all this planned out before her accident even right. occurred. I look at this more of like a murder than yeah. I do as a slip and fall accident. I do too. You know, and what's really sad is those boys never saw a penny. They were promised $100,000 yes. a piece. So there's zero documents with this company's name on it, which the documents need to have the name on it for the structure for the court to approve it. And it didn't. Again, blind eyes. The check was made out for Forge, not the full name, just Forge. And the actual company said, when they were interviewed, said that Corey would know better because there is a ton of documents that have to be exchanged back and forth before the settlement is done so that they know what the payout is going to look like over the next 15 years. There's got to be negotiations and stuff back and forth. And there was none of that. No. So Corey knew he's just pretending to be dumb. Right. The beneficiary have to sign off that they would get paid over that time. And not all at once. They didn't sign off on it. So Alec opened a bank account in Hampton under the name Forge. Not Forge Consultants, just Forge, which is what he told him to make the check out for. And got the check from the P.O. box, cashed it, and walked away with the money. September 2021, Hampton Coroner requested a police investigation for Gloria Satterfield's death based on the inconsistencies surrounding her death. And then on October 3rd, 2021, Eric Bland, who was the new attorney for the boys, announced that a settlement was reached. So Corey has to pay back every penny he received. And then on top of that, the malpractice insurance for his law firm will cover their butt. So the boys are going to get a lot more than they were originally promised. Okay, well, that's good. Because the last thing that I heard about the boys is they went on record saying they never received a penny. Yeah. So that makes me feel a lot better knowing that they're okay now. So that's happening with Corey. But Corey is just cooperating, trying to save his license. 
And his partner said that they were going to counter sue because everything that's being said about Alec and with Corey being involved is hurting their business. However, (laughs) good motherfucker. Yeah. But then Eric Bland, the boy's new attorney, published all the fucking receipts and made them eat their words and proved that not only did Corey know what was going on, so did that firm. And then Corey, his license got suspended. Which I didn't follow back to see if he actually got it revoked. I'm hoping so. And then Chad, the banker, the guy who took over being the recipient or whatever, he still has his job. Nothing happened to him. I guess technically he didn't do anything wrong. Hmm. October 6, 2021, Corey's firm filed lawsuit against Alec for damages, which was basically just damage control, Mm -hmm. trying to pretend like they didn't know what was going on, but the receipts prove that they did. And then December 2nd of 2021, Alec's law firm had a meeting where Alec had admitted to fraud and resigned from the firm that his family had built Mm -hmm. for a hundred years. Yeah, you know, everything came out. He admitted that he lied. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. that He lied about the dogs, you know, but he tried to play it off and make it sound like, oh, I did it for the boys. He offered them a hundred thousand dollars and did not cover her medical bills. Four million. Why couldn't he just give those kids that $100,000? Yeah. He never intended of doing anything for them. He didn't care about them. He didn't. Makes me think he didn't give a shit about Gloria either. Yeah. I don't think he did. I think she did a service. There's no way you could care about somebody and not care about their kids and not try to look out for their babies. When she raised your babies. Yeah. And then you're going to sit there and let her babies suffer. I guess they had a trailer. Mom was the only one there. She was paying the bills. So when she passed away, they were on their own. These poor kids lost their mom. And they lost the place that they were living. Yeah. Trauma that they must have gone through. And for that family that she gave over 20 years of her life for, they couldn't even make sure those kids were cool. Yeah. That they were just okay. It shows the level of their narcissism, their empathy. Yeah. I think it's... It's not a far jump to look at this as a murder case, mm-hmm. like we were saying. Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk to Gloria mm-hmm. and channel her energy today. I can feel her around right now. I can feel her energy here right now as we speak. So I'm really excited for the next part of this episode to tap into her energy and see how she comes through mm-hmm. and see what she has to say about this. I'm excited too. Doing all this research, I have not felt her until today. And today, and I was telling Saudi this when she came over. I was like, I have not heard from her or felt her at all until I was listening to this song. It was talking about a mother and a daughter and my mother's savage daughter. She's talking about herself. Gloria's talking about herself. That's where the connection comes from. Well, don't doubt your gifts and your, I know. And your intuition. And for anybody out there listening, this is real. This is how spirit speaks. They speak through vibration. Yeah. And music is vibration. And a lot of times when you're trying to channel somebody, a song will come through to you. Yeah. You know, you'll hear it in your head or it's just a random song you've never heard before. And it comes on your playlist randomly. Or a song that you've heard a million times and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I've never really listened to the words on this or I haven't felt it this way before. As the lights are going on and off. I know. Down, <laughs> My lights are blinking. I was like, what it's the It's like hell? Gloria saying, okay, come on. Okay, come on, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. It was right before Saudi came over and I did my ritual that I do before we do episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to a playlist and Savage Daughter came on and I just had the revelation that... <laughs> she was talking about because I was like well she doesn't have daughters but she has two sons and I just heard her in my head being like 
I, my sons are savage. Mm -hmm. They are savage. They don't know who they're messing with. My kids are not some stupid broke little boys mm -hmm. they are smart and I really feel I'm getting goosebumps I really feel like she was upset that they are portrayed that way mm -hmm. because like poor yeah. little country kids yeah kind of energy yeah. yeah and I I feel that because she but when she was at I am my mother's savage daughter I was thinking she was connecting that with her kids but which I think she was but mm -hmm. she's the savage daughter yeah and even in the interviews they don't really have a lot about her sons but the way they carry themselves, everything that they've been through, they mm -hmm. still seem like good people. Yeah. They don't seem arrogant. They're grateful. Just like kind of good to their soul. You can tell. Yeah. Just from the energy that they put off and the brief little clips that I've seen of them. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and get prepared. And Saudi's going to do my magic. Yes. <laughs> Come back and do her magic. I'm so excited to talk to her. <laughs> So Gloria definitely showed up. She's here with me right now. She's coming through with a huge family. So I'm kind of just saying hello to everybody. Gloria is holding hands with her husband. She says he's been with her since day one. He was there to greet her before she even passed. Mm -hmm. She was able to connect with him again. So I'm also getting... So I'm getting two brothers. <sighs> They've been doing a lot of work, the entire family. I mean, when I tell you guys that she has family with her, I'm talking about dating back like generations behind her. There's this whole family, which is a little unusual when I do a channeling to see this many family members coming together in one space. I'm seeing, they're giving me like uh, nicknames or initials. I'm seeing uncles, I'm seeing aunts, I'm seeing parents, I'm seeing grandparents. Gloria's astral body, she looks like she's about 27, 28 years old. <sighs> Gloria, would you like to step forward? So right now I'm asking Gloria to step forward because she's very bound to her family members that are beside her. And it's really hard for me to get a clear message. Okay, so Gloria and her husband are stepping forward and towards me a little bit right now. So hopefully I can get a clear message. So... So do you have any questions that you want to ask? <laughs> I didn't even think about the I want to bring I want to bring you in here yeah. with me. Right now I was just like asking the relationship between her and the family. Gloria, if you would like to let me know or give me any messages that can give me clarity on the relationship that you had with the Murdoch family. Okay, she's telling me that she gave her heart and soul to that family. Um, she said that she loved them very much. She said that she started feeling... Okay, so her and Maggie... Maggie never treated her with very much respect from what she said. Yeah, and her husband's nodding his head yes. He says that she used to come home from work and just be so tired. 
and um, tell him mean things that Maggie had done to her and said to her that made her feel bad. And sometimes she would cry. Now the closeness between, and I'm not sure what their relationship was like when he was alive, but their relationship now is very close. They're holding hands and she's leaning her head on his shoulder as he's speaking. Her husband. Her husband. <sighs> he's, say, he's saying that, you know, he's much kinder to her in the spirit realm than he was here. He's like, she doesn't have a competition with like, I don't know, like I think they feel like it's like sports or NASCAR or something like that. He's showing me like he would be glued to the TV with a beer in his hand. <laughs> and, you know, she'd be in the kitchen cooking or taking care of the kids. And he was just kind of like couch potato. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're giving me that kind of energy, but she... She missed him so much when he was gone. And that was, they're giving me the um, the imagery that when he passed away, in her mind, she thought that she was more part of their family than she actually was. And they didn't seem to really care that he passed away. The Murdochs? Yeah. They didn't really seem to care that her husband had passed away. There was no, there wasn't a lot of sympathy when it came to that. Sorry, it's hard to breathe right now. Um, there's a lot of intense energy that comes with how she was feeling about that. Over the last five, six years of her life, she wasn't feeling as needed anymore or as wanted anymore in a lot of different ways when it came to the boys and when it came to the family in general. She says that she wasn't even over there very much. Like she felt just kind of unwanted and she was having problems. She was showing me like her back hurt. She was saying that she wasn't able to do the things that she used to be able to do for them. So it was kind of like, she's saying the term out to the pasture. Oh, like when they take dogs out to shoot them? I'm not sure. That's just what she's saying. She's saying I was out to pasture. That was the vocabulary that they used a lot when it came to her. Like she was no longer useful for them. Yeah. And she tried. Like she was still get up and push herself and push her body and her feet hurt and her hands hurt and her back hurt. And it was a struggle, but she still performed. But over the last, like she was saying, five or six years that she was there, it was just, and especially with her husband being gone, she didn't really have anybody to, like, come home and talk to. Cry. I know. I'm... <laughs> Sorry. She's saying she didn't have anybody to come home and talk to and say how she was feeling. But it just got worse and worse. And it was almost like she, it was worse than that because she's saying it was almost like she was a ghost. She would come in and say hi, and sometimes she wouldn't even get a response back. This was especially from Maggie. Maggie did not like her. Almost like she felt like she made Maggie sick. Like Maggie would almost look at her like, you make me sick. She didn't say it, but she felt it. I just have this huge lump in my throat and in my chest. It's so heavy. I couldn't imagine that from there's toxic bosses, but this is you raised this woman's children for her. They're having a moment right now. He's saying he's sorry for leaving her so early. He's just hugging her tight right now. 
Okay, so I'm asking her if Alec planned this, if she was murdered, and she says, yes, she was murdered. She said she did not in a million years expect that. Now, she's saying that she thought she was going to get fired, and she was really scared about that. There was a lot of, like, nervous energy that she thought that she wasn't useful to them anymore. And that she was going to be fired at some point. Did Maggie murder her? She's saying it didn't take a lot of convincing. So Alec planned this. And she keeps using the term out to pasture. This must be something that Alec said quite a bit. Alec's told Maggie it would be better for everybody. Almost like she's being put down like a dog, like a farm animal, like... That in there, in his mind, she was dying anyway. And if they took her life this way, that her kids would be taken care of and she wouldn't have to suffer. And she's giving me the imagery of like how you would treat a dog that you've had for 16 years and they were on their last legs and you're just like, let's just put them down so they don't have to suffer for the next six months or eight months or whatever the case may be when you said that that's what I instantly thought of was putting a dog down she's saying it didn't take a lot of oh god oh my god I'm so sorry Paul knew too that all three of them were in on it I'm sorry I was not expecting that how he explained it to Maggie Maggie and Alec both came to Paul and let them know that she was not going to make it over the next couple years that she was going to succumb to an illness. It was going to be a painful death for her. And it really, Paul did not want to be a part of that. He didn't want it at all. He, he actually knew that it was happening. He was not asleep. She said that Paul hid downstairs and cried while it was happening. I'm sorry, I just need a second. God, she's such a sweet woman. She said she doesn't blame him. She doesn't. She said that she understands. It was his, um, the way that they put it to him and the way that they warded it. He didn't have a choice. She's pulling her energy back a little bit right now. I know this is really hard. Just trying to see if I could ask her. She's saying that, um, that it didn't go as planned. It was Alec. And he. That's why she has had a fracture in the front. He said that he viciously and in his mind he thought he thought that it was gonna be quick when he wasn't there was he changing his clothes she doesn't know about that she couldn't believe it it was all alec that actually murdered her and maggie and paul did what they were told to do they are what i'm getting from that she's pulling her energy back right now um thank you gloria if you could see what I'm seeing, it's like he's her husband is holding her hand and they're kind of like backing back up into this unbelievably enormous tribe of family. And they're all very close. It's like it's like her side of the family and his side of the family, but they're all one family. It's like she's got like almost like a brother or an uncle behind her and he's got like a brother oh he says this is my brother and he puts his arm around his brother 
it's almost like they if if we had more time and this was a dip, different episode or if I was doing a reading for the family or something like that, I feel like the rest of the family has a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah, they would all kind of like come through and, and talk to me. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, you go to like a family reunion or something mm-hmm. like that. And they're all like, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm hearing JC and um, TJ. I'm not sure. Um, but the initials, and it's kind of cute how they're, I'm not sure how that's connected. Um, but we've definitely got the, her mother's with her. There's definitely another female. I don't know if it's her sister. Very sister-like energy right beside her as well. Does she have a message she wants to give to her boys? Yeah, she says that, um, and they know it. Uh, her boys feel her and her husband all the time. Um, that they're always with them, and they're always looking out for them. They have the whole family behind them, um, that they're not alone. And they, they never have been. She tells them to keep their faith. Oh, God. Okay. She, her only regret, she's saying that her only regret with the boys is that she worked so hard that she didn't really have the energy. It's almost like this feeling of she gave the other boys the energy that she should have been giving her own. Cause she was tired. She'd get home and she would, she would want to lay down. She didn't really have the energy to like run around and do all things. Cause she was getting paid to do that over there. Mm-hmm. So that was her job. And she had to do these things with the boys. And then she would come home with her own boys and just be almost too tired and exhausted to really put forth the energy that she wishes she could have put forth with them. So if there was a message, it would be like, I'm sorry, babies, you know, but I love you. It's an enormous amount of um, family. I'm kind of shocked yeah, that they're all still so close knit and still so close together. I'm just thanking Gloria and thanking her husband and the whole rest of the family, (laughs) everybody, all (laughs) y'all. Thank you for coming through. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Just opened my eyes and came back to reality. Yeah. See, I've burned too much ancestor money. <laughs> I brought all, all the ancestors of, oh, back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that many of them before. I'm crying. I'm like wiping yeah. my tears away. <laughs> that was really intense. Yeah. It just seemed like both sides of the family, they didn't have any problems with each other either. It was just, yeah. they were all there for her to come through oh i got chills uh, yeah <laughs> just i was like <sighs> i didn't need this pendulum i've been yeah. holding it for dear life though <laughs> i know before this she was asking show me what yes is with the pendulum yeah whenever i i tap into all the spirits are unique so sometimes a yes can look different with one spirit to another mm-hmm. so I always start off asking show me yes show me no and show me how you do it and then show me I'm not willing to answer that question and I was holding it and I was like can you sh- if you're here can you show me yes and the pendulum wasn't moving at all it was almost yeah. like somebody was holding it still and not letting it move yeah and as soon as Omni walked back into the room it started going <laughs> you're like it's it like started she's moving. waiting for you I was like well okay she was <laughs> I was like that's polite yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> Gloria is waiting for Omni to come into the room, and it yeah. just felt like she swung it as soon as you stepped into the room. So I was like, really cool. Yeah. She's like, that's weird. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Coming from you, what is weird? <laughs> yeah. But I did feel her. I connected with her on her motherly, not instincts, but. Yeah, I don't know who everybody was, but I feel yeah. like if this was a different type of reading, I, yeah. I think they a lot of them wanted to come through. I can definitely feel like either uncles or brothers coming from both sides of her yeah. and her husband. Very close. Right. And then I was feeling like the mothery, mother, grandmother, like these yeah. women passed down, like that were still there too. I my mother's savage daughter. <sighs> yeah. That's crazy. Definitely. When you did a reading for me and you had all your decks out and stuff, I had people step forward and you talked to them and Mm -hmm. whatnot, family members. Yeah, I was kind of confused at first because they all came through and they started (laughs) throwing their names in there and they're talking. It was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, hold up. I, was, I'm the, I wasn't ready for that. And yeah. it was just, they just kept coming and coming and coming and like moving closer and closer. <laughs> and so at some point I had to just, I'm going to have to play that back. I don't even remember everything that just happened. Yeah. I was in such of a trance. I don't really know. But there was a few times when I felt such heaviness mm-hmm. and she was letting me feel how she felt in certain things because I can get the voices and I can get the clarity, but also I'm energetically really connected to them and my feelings will switch before they'll even give me the message. So it feels like with sometimes with her, it would be very light and that all of a sudden I would feel this heavy pressure going like my throat and my chest and I would just feel very warm and weighted down. And then she would send a message of something that was really heavy. There were so many times during this where I was just, I felt like I was going to start sweating. Like yeah. My energy got Which really we were hot, freezing at and first. And now I'm freezing yeah. again. Yeah. We were talking about a how cold. shaky. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot. I'm really yeah. impressed with the clarity that she came through with as yeah. well. I'm always a little nervous when I start because sometimes when I'm doing readings, it's not just a light switch I can turn on and be like, okay, give me Gloria. Sometimes their spirit doesn't come through for one reason or another and she definitely did yeah and I thought it was cool the way he came through too because he wanted to talk I don't know if he was a very talkative person yeah when he was here but he was right there beside her and you know I was like I don't know how they were <laughs> you know before and he was like well I was kind of a couch potato <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's like I'm giving her now what she deserved then so all of his attention is on her right now and they're very much in love in the astral realm very cuddly, very holding hands. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like watching him watch TV. And for some reason, I could almost see it. I wanted to say sports at first, but then I could kind of see like cars racing around. So yeah. I'm like NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> but I was just get like, I just got like a brief image of that. Him kind of like with a beer in his hand watching TV while she was like running around, taking care of the kids and like cooking and coming off of work and stuff like that. So he's realizing that now and making up for it (laughs) in the astral realm. And they seem very happy. That's amazing that she's got all that family. I just keep seeing blinking lights. I'm sorry, like out of the corner of my eye. Do you have lights in your room that blink? I think I'm still just having, I'm still pretty, I I think I'm still there a little like halfway. Still, um, still in the channeling. Okay, well... That wraps up this episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. I right, thank you guys for listening. Yes. Uh, hit that subscribe button. The next episode, we're going to be going over the boat crash and Mallory Beach's 
murder in part three of the Murdoch Murders True Crime crossover. So, so tune in and remember, always keep your minds open. Namaste.